The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Oh, hello, man. Hey, bro. Is this how you're wearing your mask now on the wrist? That's cool. I just forget to bring it with me, so if I just, like, hang it on my nose, I just bring it. This is a new move. Yeah. People will do that now. They will see you and say one side of the watch, the other side of the watch. miniature schnauzer right here. Aww. You have a cute little dog, dude. That picture yeah. of your dog is adorable. Yeah, she's awesome. She's out. What's her T- name? Taking a walk. Miho. Miho? Yeah, she's 15. What does Miho stand for? Uh, beauty, crest of a wave. It's Japanese. Oh, okay. Deadly little Miho from uh, Sin City. Which one was that? She had the the swords so- and the, and the, oh, and the right. one arrow. From the movie? Yeah, Sin City. Yeah. Sin City was a movie, but it was also yeah, uh, the comic, a comic book, right? Comic book, yeah. Was she in the comic book as well? I don't know. That movie was fucking good, man. Yeah. I forgot all about that movie until just now. Yeah, she's named after a deadly little Miho. So we were talking about how, uh, well, we didn't talk about how the new Pussifer album comes out on the 30th. Hmm. I listened to What Is Available, and it sounds awesome. There's a lot of layers to that shit, man. There's all kinds of sounds coming at you from all over the place. Yeah, Matt, uh, normally what happens with the with our recording process is that I'll have an idea, or Matt will have an idea, and we'll just kind of set down... A, a direction for example like i'll go mandolin drum machine banjo let's just start there and start to see what we can build on this thing um and then you have an album like conditions of my parole on this he picked up uh an old fairlight and ha- making a fairlight actually work nowadays i don't like know what a, a fairlight is it's just it's a it's a synthesizer and you've heard it on you know peter gabriel used it art of noise like i think uh yes uh might have used versions like a synclavier or a, or a fairlight um i'm gonna get that wrong and matt's gonna just he's got his face in his palm right now <laughs> um but uh you know so there's very specific sounds that come out of these and it's there's a learning curve to go with it um but the cool thing is that it kind of it kind of paints you into a, a sonic corner, mm. and then you start layering on that, and then of course unconsciously or consciously you start thinking of all the stuff you heard in uh, in the '80s, you know, uh, that, that that was used on. Yeah. So you start reacting in in that way for those sounds, and then you know Karina coming in on top of me, adding her piece, uh, and then just that kind of. You know, that kind of uh, three-way chest that we have going on. As a non-musician, it's always interesting to see, uh, like, the way people react to synthesizers. Mm-hmm. There's, the synthesizer's got to be one of the most polarizing yeah. sounds in yeah. all of you. But it, obviously, it's re- responsible for some amazing songs. Absolutely. Undeniably. Yeah. But yeah. for whatever reason, people are either a love or hate that kind of sound. Well, yeah, whenever, you know, when you have people that are, uh, like, I don't know, man, I, I like live music you know, totally live music. So you're a big, you know, and then you kind of wait, come back around and go, what do you think of Kraftwerk? Oh, I love Kraftwerk. <laughs> <laughs> they, they put robots on stage and push a button and you pay money to watch like four mannequins. It's basically like Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I love Kraftwerk and, you know, so, but it's funny when people don't quite make the connection of, yeah. they don't know what it is they're saying. Well, it's it becomes almost an ideological thing. It's like you're opposed to it because it's a, a non-cool thing or something. Yeah. 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 Um, do you remember when Jump came out and everybody was like, what the fuck has happened to Van Halen? Have they yeah. lost their mind? What is this? Meanwhile, one of the biggest yeah. fucking songs they've ever put out. Ever. Yeah. yeah. A massive 
super big. blockbuster. Yeah. But uh, some people were just like, this is the end. Well, I remember uh, living in Boston. Uh, we had the classic rock uh, station playing. Yeah, yeah, for WBCN. Uh, I think it was, it might have been BCN. What's the other one? Okay. AAF, BCN. BC, I think it was BCN. But I think it was like, it was a classic rock channel. And this, this was 87. Yeah. Yeah, eighty-eight. I was there, and uh, and I remember people losing their shit because they tried to play Van Halen on that station. They're like, "That's not classic rock, bro." They <laughs> they really were very adamant about like, no, 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 no. Van Their Halen is, is hair band. That's like a, mm. some kind of glam rock thing. They were, you know, Bostonians just getting their, you know, panties in a bunch over <sighs> Van Halen on BCN. Yeah, there was a real resistance to hair metal. There's yeah. hair band music came around and even Guns N' Roses, mm-hmm. like people put in the hair band category. And I'm mm-hmm. like, boy, you're s- s- splitting hairs. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it, it's hardly hair band music. I mean, it's yeah. Sweet Child of Mine and like, you know, Welcome to the Jungle. I mean, these, these are fucking great songs. It's hard. Like hair band to me is like, I get why people would like it. I understand it, but it's it's simple. It's like, it's a piece of candy. Yes. You know? Whereas, like, uh, you know, Guns N' Roses had, they put out some fine meals. You know, some of their some of their songs were, you know, there were it was were, one meal, but yeah. it was a good meal. But they were like well crafted pieces. Whereas, you know, there's I don't want to name some bands, but there's some you know some bands they wore eyelash extensions and fucking crazy hair and Bowie. Bowie, he did See? do yeah. He that's did, right. Dude. You're right. Good point. Yeah, but nobody's giving him shit. No, you can't give him shit. He's well. How undeniable was Michael Jackson that even though people think he most likely did some horrible shit, mm-hmm. they still play his music. Yeah, and oddly enough, the the Fairlight is part of uh, some of those records. Sure. Boom, 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 boom. That's all those. That's all those uh, synthesizers we're talking about. When did synthesizers come around? Like, what was the first introduction? Like, when did, when did oh, they God. hit modern music? Uh, I'm having a brain fart. Um, damn it! Maybe it'll it'll come. Okay. It's a it's when it, it's a it, there's a specific. But there thing. was there was sound manipulation that bands started introducing before, prior to that, right? Like, Hendrix started doing weird shit with pedals. and Yeah, uh, you, you had a Mellotron, which is, like, kind of recorded on tape, and it's it's looped, and you're playing, you know, the recorded sounds on these on these looping cassettes, but that was still kind of analog. Mm. And I'm having... There's a specific keyboard, and I'm bad at that. It must be the... No worries. 56, bro. Dude, I'm 53. I get it. <laughs> my, my brain is... My my memory is so inconsistent. Like sometimes it's amazing, and sometimes it's just straight dog shit. Like people I've known for ten years, I can't remember their fucking name. It doesn't make any sense. Things that I I know what that thing is, and I can't fucking. Uh. It's, by the way, it's good to see George over here. George. George. His name is Brian. <laughs> oh, we should probably explain what's happened. Yeah. Um, this almost young, didn't happen. Young Jamie got the COVID. Young Jamie's got a new lady friend. Oh. And the new lady friend wanted to go to a bar. And young Jamie was like, okay. So he yeah. went to a bar. And bars in Texas, they do not give a fuck out here. They they go outside, and they're on a patio, and they just drink like there's no COVID. And they're bumper to bumper with people, all partying down. And uh, a few days later, Jamie thought he had a sinus infection. 
He was uh, just all stuffed up and felt like shit. Only for a day. And then the next day, started to feel better. The day after that, he's like, ah, I can't be COVID. He's like, I know I have allergies. He has allergies. And it's ragweed season, apparently. Mm-hmm. Comes in, gets tested. And the only one we were concerned with is our, our employee, Jeff, our friend Jeff. And uh, Jeff was actually fairly close to Jamie for a few minutes talking to him. Um, I never got any closer than 20 feet from him. And most of the time, I was about 30 to 40 feet from him. As soon as I found because J- Jamie came in first and got tested first. And as soon as I found he didn't feel well, I stayed the fuck away from him. Mm-hmm. I thought because I was in the room with him, maybe I would have to quarantine. But the doctor said, how close were you? And I was like, no closer than 20 feet. He's like, you don't have to worry about it. Just get tested every day. And so I'm three negative tests in a row. So I'm 99.999% sure I'm good. But yeah. Jeff, I'm a little worried about. So Jeff's not here today. Poor bastard. But we almost didn't do it because I thought... The protocol was I was going to have to stay, but they were saying no. They, they consider close contact, uh, six feet or closer for more than fifteen minutes. And that, like really close. Oh, that kind of close. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if you do you get it from fucking Brian? You would know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's liquids. That's how I got mine. Did you? Wow, <laughs> amazing. But you fuck so much. How would you know that's how you got? Uh, I fucked myself. Oh. Because you're not sure then. Um, <laughs> mm. So anyway, we pulled it off and we did do it. So here we are. Awesome. The other thing that's coming out tomorrow is a tape where apparently Rudy Giuliani tries to fuck a 15-year-old. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. 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 He, what's funny is like apparently his take on it, and again, he's older than us, so his memory's probably terrible because it happened quite a while ago that they filmed this. Hmm? His take on it was that he was proud that they didn't get him the way they've got other people. And the article that I was reading last night, it's, it's <sighs> the death of journalism <laughs> yeah. is so goddamn apparent when you read articles and then you see the actual thing and you go, what the fuck did you just write? Because this is not what it is. Right. This is like these takes on things that are so, it's, it, it's, there's so much hyperbole and there's so much exaggeration and bias until we watch it. We won't be able to. Uh, yeah, know, so I'm, you know, I'm excited tomorrow, tomorrow. Though, but you know, you, you had me at Borat. So. Yeah, I had Borat. Yeah. I mean, listen, I still think Ali G in the House mm-hmm. is one of the most underrated comedy films of all time. It is good, especially if you like weed. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it this month, Sober October. But when Sober October's over, Ali G in the House. I I actually bought a UK version of a VHS player. Because it was only available on VHS from the UK. Okay. Was it UH, VHS oh, I got or the, I DVD? Had, are you talking about Might the... Might have been a DVD. DVD. Are you yeah. talking about the actual Allergy series? No, it was a movie. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that Allergy one too. But made it, a movie. But even, even the series wasn't available over here for right. a long time. For a long time. You had to like, do the conversion... But uh, he had a movie. NTSC. You're right, Brian. It was a DVD, and it was an all-regions. I had to buy an all-regions player. And um, because it, like players were limited... To like certain regions, it was really weird. Yep. I don't. I had that do you, too. What do you know? What the science behind that is? Uh, it was different frequencies. I think it was PAL versus yeah. H or H, NTSC, like, NTSC or right. something like that. And, and some of them were universal. They would right. play everything. Yeah, some of the the cheaper ones that you could buy, like at Fry's, had like a secret like menu. You could switch it back and forth. So. Yeah, that was the key, right? It was like a cheaper one. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to buy one. Spe- I bought. I literally bought a DVD player specifically for this film. Me and Eddie Bravo got barbecued, and we watched this and could not stop laughing. It's a fucking hilarious movie. It's really ridiculous. So apparently, 
that that comes out tomorrow. Yep. And Rudy Giuliani is allegedly trying to fuck a 15 year old, but it wasn't really a 15 year old. She was in her 20s, playing a 15 year old. Here goes Rudy Giuliani speaks out about on Borat two controversy calls it hit job over Hunter Biden campaign. Well, <laughs> how could it be a hit job over the Hunter Biden campaign if they shot it in July, bro? <laughs> there's there's no logic to it, right? It's just. They're just trying to cover their ass. I think they have to say that. <coughs> I want to know what the girl looked like. Because they said she was playing a girl who was 15, but I believe she's like 25 or something like that. Mm-hmm. How old is the gal? Oh, here's the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's him with his hand out his pants. Oh, Jesus Christ. Looking for Hunter Biden's laptop in there uh, somewhere. B- 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 I guess he was saying he was tucking <laughs> in his shirt, but... Why would he do that? Why lying on the bed. Yeah. Imagine if that was uh, him in your room lying on the bed. You'd be like, hey, man, what are you doing? Unless, like, you'd have to be a good friend yeah. where they were so comfortable they could lie on their bed and, and adjust their balls. You know. But if you just met a person and you're lying on the bed with the, the hand on the Johnson. Yeah. With, does he have sunglasses on, too? It looks like. He's on Coke. <laughs> That's what I think. So he's he's got to be. He's probably smoking it. Smoking, yeah. smoking Coke. He's on Viagra and. Well, this, is, this girl's touching him too. She's checking off his microphone uh, apparently. Mm-hmm. Microphone, yeah. Well, maybe he did have the wire tucked because they do tuck them down your pants. Mm-hmm. That true. is true. Yeah, I would like to see the film, the footage of it. We're gonna tomorrow. Yeah, because if that—that's the only thing that does make sense in his defense. Like if, because sometimes they put those things down your pants and you do got to get in there to get the wire out. If he's taking the microphone off. Yeah, I don't know. Could that. also. I, I don't really just here's put mine back in. here, like drop it down my jacket and put it on the back here. I don't know why he's putting it in his pants. True. That's true, too. Yeah, why would you have it in the front? He might have had it in the front pocket so he could sit down. Um, they often do that. They'll put the mic in your front pocket as opposed to in your uh, back, the back area. Because like, when you sit down on a chair, that thing digs in your back. I've had it in my front pocket before. But the thing is, like, the gal... See... They're being pretty good about not showing their, not showing her. Yeah, I want to know, like, did he know that she was supposed to be fifteen, or mm. did he just think she was a girl? Here's the thing: if 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 she is in her twenties, and this is all speculation, right? If yeah. she is in her twenties and she's beautiful, the problem is he's gross and he's old. And a beautiful girl, if she was, and we would have to see the footage, but if she was being flirtatious, like he's he's helpless. Yeah, he's under a spell. <laughs> nice. Like uh, an old fucked up looking dude like that. If he thinks like, oh my god, this might like that might this be the it. last time I'm gonna have a heart life. attack tonight. Yeah, <laughs> that a, a gal who's an attractive young gal decides to. Uh, but fuck a dude a in his lawyer, a dude in his position has to know that that's coming. Like that you that a setup is coming. A setup is coming. Maybe yeah. not anymore. Yeah. Maybe he yeah. forgot. Yeah. Like he's old, Maybe. dude. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, you gotta think. Not only that, but he's been under this tremendous stress of being a top lawyer for the, the most fucked up administration in the history of the United States. So it's like the just the, the legal shit he's been battling back and forth. Yeah. It's a shit show. It's a shit show. His brain's probably hosed. And he's probably in this hotel room going, oh, the this universe is, is throwing me a bone. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Oh, yes. <laughs> a big old bone. <laughs> just not for you it's- to chew on. The hits never stop. It just never stops. There's like every time you think, well, the world's going to be normal today. I mean, we've gotten it all out of the no, way. No. Nope. No. no. New thing. Arizona's now spiking in, 
in the supposed uh, cases of COVID. Are they? Yeah. They were spiking for a while, but it was uh, it was young folks, mm-hmm. and it wasn't an issue. It was like young folks were getting it, but the deaths were very low. You had a bad case, right? Uh, I didn't have a bad Yes and no. Uh, a medium bad case. So it was one of those, you know, I'm in Australia. We went out to dinner with my buddy Todd, Fox, and uh, Chris. And uh, immediately food didn't taste right. But this is now, this is all hindsight, right? I didn't know at the time. We didn't know that these are the right. things you're looking for. Like immediately. What year was, I mean, what uh, month was this? February. February. So this February. Is, yeah, so, oh, this is early. So, yeah, early. so nobody, so, you know, nobody knew what to tell you. Uh, I immediately was sick. Then I had to get out on an international flight the next morning, fly to New Zealand. Oh, and you're a super spreader. We ha- yeah, I'm a super spreader. Um, you brought it to New Zealand. I, I brought it. I brought it. It was in, it was in me. Um, and I put it in you. So we got there. I was like four days in the hotel because uh, we had four days off before the shows. Um, so I was just drinking water, hot showers, taking care of myself, hot tea, uh, just trying to get through it. And it sucked. But it wasn't. But you didn't know yet that like what how bad this thing could have been. If I didn't right. know how bad it could have been, I would have been freaking out. But. Right, you'd have probably. Yeah, that's interesting, right? So because we isolated pretty well. Like I, you know, I, I wore a mask. I, I grabbed a mask, you know, before I even got on the plane, because uh, I just instinctually like just having you know friends that are that are you know going to Taiwan and going to Japan. Mm-hmm. Like you just see the mask. Like okay, I'm probably just going to wear the mask anyway. So on the plane. this was pre awareness of COVID. Well, no, that was it was happening. But do, I, you didn't connect the dots. You didn't think you had. COVID. I asked the doctor when I got to New Zealand, "Do you think this is COVID?" He's like, "Did you have a fever?" I'm like, "I don't remember if I had a fever." Well, then you didn't have COVID. You don't have COVID. Okay. <laughs> Doctors are cocky sometimes. Yeah, man. so I got through that. Um, we did the. Sh- I was able to do the show. I didn't close my throat down enough to. I had, would have to cancel. Um, then w- the next shows were going to be in the northwest. How hard was it to sing? It was not. It was not fun. It was not fun. So we had to kind of adjust the set around a little bit. Don't put the hard ones in. And I got to Hawaii to go train with uh, Luis. Um, and some of the guys there, uh, Chad was a Muay Thai uh, instructor, and I'm starting to do the Muay Thai, and I'm like, dude, this hurts. Like, I've never, my hands have never hurt this bad. If I thought maybe I sprained them, because right after I recovered in New Zealand, I went and trained in New Zealand, thinking, I'm just going to fucking gut it out, you know, gut mm-hmm. it, I'm going to walk it off, rub some dirt on it. And yeah. I, like, it, and I felt okay then, but when I got to, when I finally got to, Maui, I'm like, this is not right. This hurts. I can't fucking do this. I thought, well, maybe I sprain my wrist. So months go by, they're, they're not healing. I'm going through harvest at this point, and like nothing's like they're not healing up. We should explain harvest. Your winery, uh, winery, yeah. yeah. So getting into the grapes, but I finally went to a a, a doctor, arthritis arthritis doctor, and he was like, okay, so. Walk me through when you first saw the da da da, and I started walking him through everything. He goes, "You had COVID, and what what some of the side effects that you find are the are that it you know uh, inf- inflammation, uh, so whatever I guess so it's some kind of a rheumatoid response. That alone would be well maybe I'm just 56 and I have arthritis, but my blood work was completely clean everywhere else, no other issues anywhere else in my body, but just the wrists, explaining that, but I still have the cough." So whatever cough I had, whatever cough I got in New Zealand, like every other day, I'll have a coughing fit for, you know, for 10 minutes. Really? I'm coughing up stuff. So I have lung damage from 
uh, from it still. Still. Comes yeah. Still every other day now? Yeah. Now, yeah. Um, when you train, is your cardio diminished? Yeah. How much? Uh, enough to work. And it's just my, you know, well, A, my motivation is diminished because I'm like trying to do stuff and my hands hurt. Still. Uh, not anymore. Now that I'm now that I'm on medication. And, what medication and, they put you on? Metha methotrexate. You're on meth. Meth. I'm, I'm smoking meth to get through it. Um, you along, look great. Um, thank you. I lost Most a lot of weight. Most meth heads uh, they get sketchy. <laughs> it's easy, much easier to push that like second helping away now with mm, the meth. Right. Yeah. Good. No appetite. Uh, but no methotrexate, which is not is not fun to be on. Um, but my wrists have cleared up. I can now. I'm back to you know doing stuff. Um, what is methotrexate normally? It's like a. It's for rheumatoid arthritis, but it's all. It's a, it's basically a chemotherapy. Oh. Yeah. Have you tried CBD? I'm on CBD now. Have you tried CBD without the methotrexoid stuff? No. No. Because no. a lot of the methotrexate goes for about. It's like a. You know, I did, I've done it for now 10 weeks. I have another five weeks supposedly I'm going to do, Whoa. but I'm going to continue the CBD after that. What, uh, how much CBD are you taking a day? A uh, drop, a dropper. Just one? Yeah. I'm taking, I take a thousand milligrams a day. So it's a high dose, but, um, how, I find that. How big is that? It's a lot of droppers. Okay. Uh, it depends on, I, no? I, I use yeah. CBD MD yeah. and, uh, I, I forget I think it's the 1,300 milligram dropper. I forget how many droppers I have to do it to, to hit 1,000 a day. But okay. that seems to be the magic number. Where uh, I have, um, it's kind of like turf toe, but it's from kicking. I have uh, some, some pretty intense pain sometimes in my big toe, okay. particularly after uh, a hard, heavy bag workout. Like yesterday, I had it pretty bad. Okay. But man, I'll take the CBD, and now today, like I'm, I'm bending my toe right now on the ground. There's no pain at all. Okay, and it's, That's uh, good. it's amazing. I fucking love it. Okay, I, I, I love it for so many. I love it for anxiety. I love it just for, for relaxation. But I really love it for joint pain. I think CBD is just, I, I can't sing its praises enough. I've had so many friends that have had like real joint problems. Like real pain, and then the CBD just completely takes it away. I've had a friend's dog. The dog was having a really hard time walking, like walk with a limp. He gives the dog CBD, and like two hours later, the dog's like up and moving around, and he's like, "This is crazy." Listening just, to Cheech and Chong records, getting high, just chilling. Um, Dave Foley had pretty bad arthritis in his hands to the point where he couldn't straighten his fingers out. Wow. Got on CBD, and now his his hands are just mobile again. All right, yeah. Stuff's legit. Okay. It's just that and adjusting the diet are the two main things. That's what I noticed. This fires up when I like I have more than a glass of wine mm. and some gluten in the in the dinner. Yeah. Then it flares up. So there's con it's connected. It's that goddamn gluten. There's something about it. Mm. Have you? Uh, but you, your restaurant, you use heirloom pasta though, don't you? Use heirloom. We were. Wheat? I mean, it's it's fifty fifty. Mm -hmm. It's it's commercial flour with because we're finding that it's not holding up like you expect pasta to hold up. Mm. So in, what, in what way? In the, the texture? Yeah, just texture doesn't hold. So we, we're doing a blend of the heirloom along with uh, commercial. That's interesting. It doesn't hold up. Because, but in Italy, they use the heirloom wheat, right? Mm. No. Not necessarily, no. Really? They're getting a lot of Arizona. There's a lot of Arizona wheat in uh, the stuff you get from Italy. Really? Yeah, because the commodity, that hard winter wheat that we grow is a great blender. in Because they bring all the wheat, they get it together, and they send it to Italy. They blend it. They pick their 
their mix and they blend it. So they actually sell our wheat back to us in the form of uh, great Italian flour. But it's actually grown in the United States. That's interesting. When I go over there, even though I eat pasta almost every day, when I used to be able to go over there, I didn't get bloated. Right. But if I eat pasta here, I just get thick. Well, there's so many other little things that are going on around it, right? Yeah. So you're you're probably over there, you know, for most, for the average traveler, you're in a foreign country, it's magical, you're you're walking around more, uh, you're, you know, there's lots of stairs, uh, you're eating dinner probably earlier in the day or whatever, but you're still walking around, your activity, your activities are increased, and the wines you're having are probably nicer quality wines. So all that stuff ends up being... A better experience for you so your body's not reacting hmm. in a way over here you're like eh, maybe i won't go for the walk um maybe i'll drink more than i should i like what you're saying but no okay. not me all right over here i work out like a fucking terrorist and over there i barely work out at all i'm getting hammered every day <laughs> i'm eating i'm <laughs> eating until i literally can't stick another ravioli in my face no <laughs> That's not what's going on. Right. I don't know what's going on. I'm definitely walking around quite a bit, you know, but I work out. I mean, I'm just always doing something here. Yeah. I don't know. So, and, is. you know, um, I don't know. I don't know what the difference is, honestly. Because um, I'd always thought it was the heirloom wheat. And, like, there's a type of wheat you would know this. What is the zero, zero? Like, what is Yeah, yeah tipo zero. Uh, tipo zero, zero. So it's uh, on, the, on the bag, it actually says uh, tipo, T-I-P-O. And then a zero zero, and that's a very uh, fine ground uh, white flour. And you normally, for pastas, you're blending that with semolina flour. So it's usually about a two thirds to one third uh, ratio. And semolina is the Arizona hardy. No, no, no? semolina is just another uh, another version of what you know what you're you're putting in that pasta to make the, those gluten stick together. And, and so and that's do to all give that. it like a bite, so it has yeah. like a chew to it. Yeah. Mm. Because there's a, I, I don't remember the brand, but I buy this uh, particular spaghetti that's just goddamn delicious, and it's from Italy, and it's that zero zero, okay, flour, and it's just such a good pasta, and that has a better effect on me than if I buy like a, a standard American brand. Well, you know that if yeah, so if you're if you're buying dried pasta in the states and making your your food out of the dried pasta. Mm-hmm. You probably have a lot better results if you actually made your own f- fresh flour pasta. Oh, sure, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Fresh pasta is the shit. There's, it's such a different taste, right? Yeah. Like pasta is okay. I like pasta, period. But fresh pasta, like, uh, have you ever been to Felix in Venice? No. Good lord. Next time you're there, I brought you must. stuff. Would you bring? Would I you brought bring? you stuff. Would you bring? <clears throat> Felix in Venice we'll start is here. a must-go-to restaurant. So we're going to get to this other one in a minute. but uh, Shout out to you remember Janet You Evan. heard me talk about Todd. Todd yes. Fox. Yeah, so he just wrote, this is another book he just wrote. Uh, for It's like personal protection, family uh, protection book. Awesome. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. But I brought you. Dude, you come prepared. Oh, yeah. You don't fuck around. You have t-shirts. Yep. So that looks like a cooler. Is that a cooler? Yeah, this is your cooler. These are your t-shirts. Oh. Um, but I brought you our olives. Ooh, right. olives. A couple, couple wine glasses. I realized at this studio we don't have your tarantula hawk. That's at the old studio. We must bring it back. I'm, I'm leaving. We will so have I'm just it. Gonna leave it. Do not worry. What is this? What are these beverages? Cider. Is this alcoholic? Yep. I can't uh, drink it right now. I know. I have to I, wait. It's, it's November. 
I have um, so uh, sparkling cider, sparkling mead, uh, sparkling white wine. Sparkling mead. Yeah. Is it made with honey? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I've never had that. Now you will. What is that like? I always read about that in the Conan books. It's it's great. It <laughs> makes you want to you know uh, crush your enemies. Um, you know. Crush your enemies. <laughs> See them driven before you. Hear the lamentations, lamentations of the women. Of the women. Yeah. Ah. So these are these are for you. Now, are these things that you are making? Yeah, these are all. Oh, these are pusser for wine. Uh, pusser for wine. Have you? When did you start doing that? Beers uh, and a couple of meads. A year and a half ago. Really? Yeah. What was the motivation behind that? I mean, you were um, just busy enough with your fucking wine, convenience, and your food, and your restaurants, and your music, and your three bands, and your right. Oh, Jesus! I got bored, <laughs> uh, so I decided to <laughs> take it up a notch. Um, yeah, you're. Yeah. You're these a legit you. workaholic, my friend. Oh yeah. So that's for you. Well, thank you very I'll much. Leave it over here for you somewhere. Fantastic. I will um, send a photograph when I'm drinking it on November first. Because this is for your marijuana cigarettes. Oh, dude. Uh, you won't be able to fit your bongs. Your bongs in here. I don't use the bongs anymore. The bong, the long up. bong won't fit. Ooh, that's a dope box uh, though. But this is this is for your marijuana cigarettes, or your or your mushrooms, as it were. That's a legit lunchbox. Yeah. I had a lunchbox. My last lunchbox I had was in the uh, oh, seventh grade, eighth grade, seventh grade or eighth grade. I moved to a bad neighborhood, and I realized you can't wear lunch. You can't bring lunchboxes to school, or kids uh, get very upset with you. They so this is this is for you as well. This is Todd's new book, um, uh, Protection uh, for and from Humanity. And I'll let you read up on that. But for he, and from. Yeah, so he, I, he's the one that got me into doing the, the Muay Thai stuff. And now for his book, he's actually, this is kind of his promotional item he's doing with the book is mm, fucking gloves. He's making his own gloves? Yeah, he's having, I'm having them made, I'm sure. But who the, makes these for him? I don't know. Find out. Oh, okay. Nice. You like these? Yeah. Now, you've only been doing Muay Thai for how long now? Not even a year. And... Yeah. No problems with the hip because you've you no. Had your the, hip well, I mean, replaced. there's a there's a weird shift that happens in the hip. I got one of those little uh, hammer thingies, you know, the little electric uh, massager things. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's weird, right? Um, no, those are good. Theraguns. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So what happens is if I go a little too far, what's happening is my my hip joint kind of just shifts forward a little bit and starts pinching something. Ooh. And all I do is stand on my left foot, use that hammer on the hip. Done. We're fine. Dude, I can robot. get back to work. You're kind of a cyborg now. Kind of a cyborg. A little bit. Now, did they give you a full hip replacement or is it just a full. resurfacing? Full hip. Wow. Yeah. What is the, like, John Wayne Parr just got a hip resurfacing and there's videos of him 12 weeks after surgery kicking the pads. Now, for they were telling me, like, I I can't remember specifically, but I want to say it was three months before I actually got back on the mats. They were like, You're not going to want to do that for six months, but you can probably start getting back and doing some things in three months. That's 12 weeks. And of course, nine weeks, you start to get Mm -hmm. a little itchy and you want to get out there and do stuff. So, yeah. So you slowly moved around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if if you're doing just some ba- some basic positional drills and just doing that kind of stuff, you're fine. But you know, sparring is a you know then you're heavy loads. Then you're being yeah. a dumbass. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's the one where they they hack off the top of the hip bone, they put a fake top, and then they screw it deep into the bone. Mm-hmm. And that kind of has to stay with you forever. Yep. Because they can't really do that again, right? Nope. nope that's it. Yikes. Done. 
But I have a weapon, so if something happens, as long as I can balance on one foot, you pull that out. And beat I can pull this death. thing out. Yeah. It's like a big blade in the middle of my <sighs> bone, and I can jam it into your juggler. <clears throat> right, like those canes that turn into a sword. Yes, or umbrellas. Don't recommend it. Uh, the the pain that you must have been in to agree to do that had to be pretty goddamn substantial. Yeah, well, the guy said, like, and it was a lot of stomping on stage that did it. I pretty much damaged my right hip, not my left, because I did a lot of stomping with my right foot. Did you feel pain while you were stomping? No, it was like, you know, years late. That's like, you know, a decade or more of doing that. And then I just thought that I was being a wimp, um, that I wasn't, you know, healing or I was didn't push through it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or I wasn't working out enough, uh, but when they actually got in there, like, dude, you have like a gob stopper for a hip, uh, so you're, it's, there's no padding, there's nothing. It's, it looks, it's like a mangled so chunk of pomace. All of the gone, yeah, gone. It was just Ugh. like all the cartilage chewed up, gone. Yeah, yeah. So I, there yeah. was no possible uh, hope for stem cells or anything. No, they were it. like, they're like, don't, they just take that off the table. It was, really? it was, it was like that was you've you've had this like this for seven years, it, minimum. The amount of damage that was on the on the on the ball joint, they were like, this is, we're not, we're surprised you weren't in here sooner. Really? Yeah. And were you limping at all when you were walking? Yeah. It, yeah. Would, all, it would just all of a sudden fire off, and I couldn't walk. Because I remember you saying you were doing drills and you couldn't move your hip right, and you thought like you had like a hip impingement or something. Mm-hmm. No, it was just it was I didn't have a hip. <laughs> God. Yeah, good times. Michael Bisping just got both of his knees replaced. Ouch. He's like 43, I believe. Yeah. I don't think he's much older than that. But he's had some, some monsters kicking them, so. Mm-hmm. You know. There's that, but it's also running. He runs a lot. Okay, yeah. I ran in high school quite a and bit. And he runs on the concrete, I believe. I, mean, I don't know where he runs, but I know he's got a love of running. They have concrete in a lot of places, so it could be anywhere. Could be. Could be anywhere. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, uh. You know, when you see a guy who's in his early 40s getting his knees completely replaced. Yeah. That's terrifying. So what do you think went on with, um, is there something similar with bone structure and and those kind of replacements that happened with uh, Silva's, Anderson Silva's uh, shin? Or is it just like, no, he just battered? No, he just checked. Like when Weidman checked it, he most likely cracked it on the first one, mm-hmm. and then the second one he threw it again and just snapped it in half because. But I mean, after so after he healed, and then he mm-hmm. went back out and he started having some leg problems, and like a year later, even though it was healed, like it was just wasn't healed enough. Or it takes a long time to heal a fracture like that mm-hmm. when a bone snaps in half. You remember Frank Mir when Frank Mir got hit by a car? Mm-hmm. He was on his motorcycle. He got hit by a car. He was not the same for years. He tried to fight again. I think it was like a year and a half-ish later after the accident, he wasn't the same. Yeah. It took it took quite a long time for the old Frank. And maybe, you know, you'd have to ask him. Maybe he never really was the same again. But uh, just something about leg bones when they snap. First of all, you got to think you can't put any weight on them for a long time. So you've got all this atrophy. So all the tissue around it atrophies. All right. And that's got to rebuild. So you got to rebuild that while you're also trying to make sure that the bone is fully recovered. And while you're pushing it, who knows what kind of damage you're going to do to the tendons and the ligaments. And, you know, it takes a, a long time. Unless you're doing some shit, unless you're on some steroids, it takes a long time to build that muscle back up as well. So there's a lot going on there. Which is, in a way, it's the not the opposite. But uh, for the hip replacement, they had us walking, like, 
within mm-hmm. an hour. Right, just to make sure that you have, as soon as you walk, wake up, yeah. they have you walking. Yeah, that is a weird one. Um, uh, Graham Hancock was in here, uh, not here, the, old, the other place, six weeks after hip replacement. And he was walking around. And I was like, that is, you're walking like normal. This is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, they just make sure you start walking to make sure that, that you minimize the amount of atrophy. Yeah, he. I know Anderson got his knee blown out. I think it was Jared Cannonier in that fight. Yeah, but Cannonier hit so fucking hard. That could have happened at any point in time in his career. You know. Right. It's amazing more guys don't have their knees blown out by leg kicks. You know. You know now doing Muay Thai, like someone kicks your leg. Like I'm sure. If I know uh, Anthony Hardunk over at uh, the, <laughs> that guy's terrifying. Jesus, dude, we've got we got video of like some dude going seriously. Just just kick my leg. I want to see what this this is all oh, about. And Anthony's Jesus like, you don't want that. Seriously, Him? kick my leg. Kick it. It's like guy crying. He's on the ground crying. And yeah. Anthony's like, you fucking asked me to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you? But know he's why. so big. Yeah. Hardunk was big for a heavyweight. I mean, yeah. he's a thick fucking Dutchman. Yeah. You know. Conk. Yeah. The, yeah. Those. Those shins to the thigh, it's uh, it's one of the most underrated pains. <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying to ask a guy to do that. So you know, I, you know, I'm gonna con- I'm gonna pursue that a little bit. Just I'm not gonna ever use it for anything, but um, I just like, I just like that next level of awareness of striking awareness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the one thing I haven't done is I haven't gotten with an instructor to go just teach me how to not get hit. Like mm-hmm. just that just that awareness of seeing what's coming and under, starting to understand the sequence of events that are going to lead up to that strike. Then you have of course in the UFC of unconventional strikers that are c- going to come at you from angles you didn't right. expect. But in general, just and not really because I want to get in a fight, just because I want to have that extra part of my brain exercised to under just to action reaction i know it's funny like if you say i want to learn how to play piano someone doesn't say what are you, you going to play in concerts <laughs> they don't say that but if you say i want to learn muay thai like oh you're going to fight yeah like no, no Tom- I just, I tomorrow like to learn it it's a <laughs> it's a, a skill yeah it's like you know i'd like to learn how to do a back handspring I'd, I'd like to learn how to do a lot of things right just seems like a cool thing to learn yeah. But that's one of those things. If you if you even say you want to learn it, people are like, right? Why do you want to learn that? What are you are you gonna fight people? Right. Like no, it's an interesting thing. First of all, it's it's cool. Right. You know, it's, and it's an interesting thing to know. But so your coach doesn't work with you on defense. I don't really, I don't really have a coach. You at don't the, at the moment because it was just Todd was kind of he and I were the ones going around the world and mm-hmm. training with insane instructors. Uh, really good really good coaches so you you get oh so he's a practitioner but he's not a coach well uh todd's a black you know black belt under rodrigo Vaji for uh brazilian jiu-jitsu but he and i caught the well he caught the bug before i caught the bug Um, he 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 made me catch the bug um so you know with his connections traveling all the time as he did uh he would have insane instructors and then this instructor would introduce you to that instructor when you go into that town so we had great it was really cool to to meet these people but the problem that i was having was you know when you're trying to have carlos condit teach you how to do something he's like four feet taller than i am and like it doesn't what he does isn't necessarily going to translate to me so you could see him struggling to go how do i explain this to you as a midget like how do you (laughs) how do i how to make this work for you 
because it works for me because I have length and I have uh, an entire history of, of being, uh, you know, a Well, badass. a lot of the ties are very short, you know. Yeah, so you that's can... why I love when you get to, like, someplace like New Zealand, it has short people beating fuckers up. It's, mm-hmm. it's great. So, you you know, and they're, and they're my height. So I got a lot more out of uh, out of that stuff in in Australia and New Zealand. Have I you did. been to Thailand? No, have not yet been. That would be a move. Once everything yeah. opens up, go there and, and do some training there. There's a lot of people that go to Phuket because they have it set up where, you know, you could stay there, you could train there. And uh, one of my business managers went there. He spent six days there just, just doing nothing but training and just enjoying it. Just going there and working out with like real Thai coaches every day. Guys yeah. barely speak English. Yeah. They've had 300 fights. And they'll show you how to do everything old school Thai, you know, classic yeah. Muay Thai stance. We did, I think we did that in Copenhagen. We went to an awesome gym there. This guy barely spoke English, but he's he was he could still instruct you because, you know, he's pointing and grunting. And yeah. Grunting. Well, also you mirror, you know, you see how they do it, yeah. you know. They'll say, look, 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 and then yeah. they'll, they'll do it. And you're like, yeah. okay. Right. But you feel so dumb when you when you watch someone <laughs> who's like really good at Muay Thai. Like there's, it's so effortless, you know, the, 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 it's so graceful. Mm. It's a really interesting art form, you know, because there's really only a few kicks. Like they, they just got it down to mostly roundhouse kicks, a couple of side kicks, teeps, you know, front kicks. Teep. And that's about it. Everything else is like they, unless they're going to do a cartwheel kick or some Sanchai shit. They're learning that from other people who are just playing around and having fun. But the art itself, when it comes down to the kicking, but because they have that, they, they've got it down to like this smoothness and the efficiency. Yeah, the part that's really eluded me is that because I don't have enough hours in doing it, I don't, I don't really have the, like, you know, French had the liaison of, of this word kind of slides into that mm-hmm. word. That transition of understanding, you're not gonna, you can't throw that kick because you didn't do the thing before that set you up in the position to be in a position to throw that kick. Right. So that kind of stuff is is very interesting and and complicated and and in a way kind of just I stop. I'm like I'm in my head too much going. Okay, wait a minute. Like, I always equate it to like a vocabulary. Like if you talk to someone who's very articulate, they have a lot of words at their disposal. They have a lot. They have a, a deep understanding of how the language works. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you talk to a child, they, they can say some things, but it's kind of crude. And that's how most people are when it comes to martial arts. You're In the beginning in particular, you're basically like a child. You're yep. crude, clumsy with your words. Whereas you talk to a master, you know, someone like a Buakau or something like that. And like there's the fluency, the, the fluidity, the efficiency of the movements. It's just such a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah. Always in the right position, you know. St- like one of my favorites for sure. Have you ever watched Giorgio Petrosian fight? No. Oh my God, you got to watch that guy fight. He is. I may have. The Todd's always it was always sending me videos of dude. You got to watch this guy fight. So he most likely has sent me videos of Petrosian that at one point in time when he was twenty three. I think he was forty three and zero, and uh, like some thirty five knockouts or something like that. By the time he was twenty three, he'd built, beaten. A shitload of world Muay Thai champions, and if you have the UFC Fight Pass, UFC Fight Pass is great because it has not just UFC fights, but it has a shitload of other promotions, including its Showtime. Its Showtime goes way back to like the early 2000s, like 20 years ago, and uh, its Showtime was the precursor to Glory. Okay, I'm wearing a Glory. I am wearing a Glory shirt. Hey, hey. 
Um, and Glory is like the premier kickboxing um, event of today, right? So Petrosian, I think, still fights for Glory. But um, Petrosian, when he was in his 20s, you could catch those on UFC Fight Pass. I just was watching it yesterday in the gym. I was watching him when he was 23, and he's probably like, Probably deep in his 30s now. I think he's probably 37 or something like that. But he's been around forever. And he is just one of the smoothest, most elegant fighters to watch, but ruthlessly effective. But his technique is just perfect. He's always in a perfect position. And he's a guy, if you watch him train, constantly drilling. Just drill, drill, drill over and over and over again. And they'll, you know, they'll do situational drills and positional drills. And so his footwork and everything is all second nature. Like when the guy comes to him, he steps aside, left hook, right kick, and like all these techniques that, that flow together so perfectly in a match. You could watch him rehearse them over and over. And there's a ton of videos of on YouTube and you okay. know, watch him watch him train, but okay. they call him the doctor. Because like literally like he it's like he's doing something different than all these other guys are doing. And when you're talking like world champions and he was KOing them when he was in his early 20s. Hmm. Wild to watch. Just because it's like I what is he doing different? Like it's hard right. to see. Like if you watch Mike Tyson in his prime, it's pretty obvious what he's doing different. You know? <laughs> you watch Roy Jones Jr in his prime, pretty obvious. Faster than everybody, ridiculous left hook, you're seeing it all. With Giorgio, it's like how is he able to do this to these guys? Like right. his understanding of, of position, of when to be there and when to not be there, it's just second okay. to none. So, and I've, so, you know, the transition, we're talking, you know, that's kind of the, the part that's always alluded, even, even with jujitsu, like those in betweens mm-hmm. are where you kind of lose the fight, like, yeah. you know, the, the match kind of uh, loses. So, you know, we, get, we ended up here. So, um, Ortega, this last fight that mm-hmm. Ortega did. I felt like the the thing that really was like surprising to me was not necessarily that he's like oh now you've trained striking and you're doing really well at the striking it was like those in between things that he was doing that I was like yes I've never I haven't seen that in most USC fighters like just that in between thing that he put the glue together to he wasn't leaving any holes there's no holes yeah no there holes no holes yeah it was brilliant it was yeah. a, a masterful performance yeah because that guy the korean zombie uh chan sun jung is very he's tough. dangerous very yeah. dangerous and brian neutralized him he, he neutralized everything and he looked so smooth and professional like right. everything he was doing looked so good yeah and uh the korean zombie said he he doesn't remember anything of the last three rounds doesn't remember them because remember when he got hit with that backspin elbow. Yeah, yeah, he got KO'd and apparently he was just on autopilot for the rest of the fight. Doesn't remember. He says he's very embarrassed. Doesn't even remember the fight. Wow. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Guys get KO'd and they'll go back to their corner. They're like, "Is it the second round? It's the fifth round." <laughs> and like, it is. Yeah, it's the fifth round. Come on, man, you're losing the fight. Like I am. All right. I thought it just started. Like they literally don't remember fights. And it's because they're they they're literally concussed. You get bonked while they're inside the ring. Luckily, there's no you know when we're doing shows, I'm not getting bonked. So if you lose track of the show and you don't know what song you're on, Does that's that ever a, happen? That's actually a good thing because you're like you're in you're in the zone right. and you're actually like you've kind of disappeared into that story you wrote. You're no longer thinking about the story you wrote. You're just you're now just delivering the story unconsciously but consciously that or that you dipped sense. into that pussy for lunchbox and got some of that good the shit marijuana cigarettes Woo! that will do it there's been many a show where i'm in the middle of a bit going what bit is this yeah 
<laughs> he generally just takes a second, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. airplane, airplane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> keep, keep talking. Keep talking. You're good. But the, um, the shows that you do, have you ever been in a situation where you're in the middle of a song? And you are you're so in the groove that you kind of forget what song it is. Don't know where I am. Really? Like the, yeah, because you, you're so in it, you're in the middle of it, but then you make that mistake of thinking about it, mm. or having a memory of like, oh, like a week ago I fucked this song up, and as <laughs> soon as you have that thought, you're like, <laughs> isn't that you're, interesting about live performances? Yeah, well, that's kind of why you know that's kind of why you do those. Yeah, um, it's so this thing we got coming up is not. It's it's a we already recorded it uh, we we filmed it um, at Arcasante uh, and what is Arcasante? Arcasante is that uh, is this uh, insane um, uh, concrete uh, village that was uh, uh, I'm gonna get his name wrong Apollo Sol Soleri look that up buddy um, Apollo Soleri mm, uh, Paolo. Uh, Apollo he's a, he was a student of uh, Frank uh, Frank Lloyd Wright oh. so he built his uh, foundry in the middle of of the desert um on your way up to uh flagstaff from phoenix it's kind of off the 17 and it's these, for what purpose uh for uh bells they make these kind of bell structures and they make uh you know so there's a kind of a school to you can go attend uh, to understand how to do uh, f uh, foundry work but also concrete just understanding these concrete structures um and uh, so it's all, this, all these locations, and there's there's kind of a school there. There's uh, there's people that come come through and travel. Um, there you go. So Larry, is there an image of this place? Yeah, look up uh, Arcosanti. Arcosanti. How do you spell that? A R C O, Arcosanti. S A N T I. How did you find out about this place? Uh, it's it's right near my house. Uh, it's like an hour away. Well, yeah. how fucking cool is that spot? Holy shit, man! Yeah, so that's you know, all concrete. Yeah, fuck. So you know, it's there the added pressure. Like when you're playing live, it's just a live show. There's pressure because you know you're playing live, but there's not a lot of pressure because when it goes by you, the next song, don't worry about it. But when you're playing live in front of a camera and it's gonna capture you fucking up, <laughs> that's a mm. lot of pressure. So uh, we filmed a couple, like two weeks ago, we filmed the entire album. We did all the songs in these, uh, in these structures. And did um, you have an outdoor audience? Is that no? It was like no, it audience. Was no audience for it because we had to Whoa. do. We were doing it like mostly at night, uh, like early rising, late rising. It was quite. It was not easy to do, especially in a. This thing's supposed to be kind of this integrated with the natural terrain. So mm -hmm. you've got, you've got rattlesnakes and, oh, and shit everywhere. Like it's you're you're living in the desert. Your your three sixty views are. The wilderness the hostile environment so and no audience and then you're saying no, and no audience is singing so but it's also hot it's also cold it's also like you're there's like there's black widows and you know so you're you know you're it's it's kind of a not an easy thing to do especially when you're trying to catch the sunrise and you want the song to land right on as the sun's coming up over the horizon mm. like all those kind of things that that uh and it's like you know fucking 6 a.m you're like fuck so you were recording as the sun was coming up. Trying, yeah, on on one oh. song, but like then there, you're you're trying to catch other things with the stars on the other songs, and it's all timing. And you know, am I going to get bit? Dude, that sounds I'm amazing. Super fucking tired, and I, I'm sure yeah. it sucked while you were doing that and getting up. Yeah, but but the overall product. 
yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked about it. And that's, so that's what we're doing is that's a, that's, that's streaming on the same day that the album comes out on the 30th. And what's it streaming on? Uh, I don't know what the actual service it is, but it's uh, pussiferlive.com is where you go to get a ticket to, to see it. Um, and I think it's a, it's the same one that did, um, I want to say it's the I'm, it's the same service that Mr. Bungle's doing. I think Mr. Bungle's show is the day after ours. So it's the same service and... But it's available on the Pussifer website. Uh, No, it's pussiferlive.com. So it's a a separate website. Is there a link to to it on pussifer.com? There should be on the main page, but if you just go to pussiferlive.com, that's where it takes you there. Pussifer performing the new album in its entirety from Arco Sante in the Arizona Mm -hmm. desert. Dude, that is such a great idea. I love it. Well, you know, this whole lockdown thing, not being able to tour, this is our tour. This is it. So. Mm. Yeah, it's been a weird one, right? And the fact that. Everybody was like, oh, you know, around June, we'll probably be fine. <laughs> Not even. Here it is, November almost. Yeah. yeah, and I think the big thing, like, you know, kind of circling back is I'm still feeling residual effects of that thing. And I mm-hmm. feel like there's a bunch of people that that maybe almost, I didn't almost die. I have friends who almost died. It yeah, was, I do it was, as well. It was ugly. So, yeah. and then you have people going, you guys are, <laughs> apparently I'm being paid to say this. Eat a dick, dude. Oh, you can't pay attention to those people. Those those are the people who think that 5G is killing babies. People are out of their fucking minds. There's so much noise out there. It's so hard. It's so hard to pay attention. It's so it's so hard to try to separate. Um, I have two friends that came real close to dying, and then I have other friends that shook it off like it was nothing. Yeah. I have a couple of friends that didn't even know they had it. They tested positive. They said, I didn't feel a thing. Uh, Jamie was sick for a day, and he was right. convinced it was ragweed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my friend Michael Yo, he came really close. He was in the hospital for quite a long time, and uh, my friend Dr. Neil Reardon, he was in the hospital. Uh, he came very close to death a couple times, and he, you know, I think folks that got it early on before they knew how to treat it correctly and what was going on and what to do, and they what got their to asses do. handed to them. Yeah, you know. for sure. Yeah, our friend Dean, his family, and I, I'm going to get this wrong, so I'm sure Dean's going to light me up, but I think. His wife tested positive. The kids tested positive. He tested positive. I think the parents tested positive. Then nobody showed any symptoms. He showed symptoms on a Tuesday, finally got into the hospital, almost died on a Sunday, then recovered quickly after because he's in shape. He's like mid-40s. He does, he's a runner. Like he's, he's not out of shape. Mm-hmm. But like there was a touch and go moment where he couldn't speak to you, couldn't talk to you on Sunday, like that. So on a Tuesday, showed symptoms, you know, not fucking cool at all on a Sunday, and then came out of it. So meanwhile, Fatso but, Trump, seventy-four years old, yeah. eating French fries, kicks it in the weekend, <laughs> back on the campaign trail, yeah. looks a hundred times better than Biden. They yeah. got him on steroids and Adderall. He looks great. <laughs> he looks great. I'm thinking about trying Adderall now. Yeah, he looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I saw him give a speech the other day. I'm like, the guy has never looked better. Like COVID, like literally, like he had a hermetic effect. Yeah, and his his body is actually stronger because of COVID. Yeah, still a douchebag. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. probably more. Yeah, because <laughs> now he thinks he's immune. Cocky douchebag. Doesn't have to worry anymore. Yeah, you know, now he can go just have people spit in his mouth. Yeah, <laughs> please. And he's fine. <laughs> it's all. <laughs> so weird please do the world doesn't seem real you know it just it seems like uh you have to remind yourself okay this is still real this is the world yeah you know but i think that's kind of what you know you had those good 
you had those good aunts, those good uncles, good friends when you were a kid that you kind of learn. There's a lot of influence you get from your parents. I've, you know, my dad is, is, you know, my whole world as far as influence, a good influence on decision making, right? But you also have those people around you that you should have around you if they're positive, mm-hmm. that it should be fairly easy to see right through bullshit and get to the core of a good decision. It should. Yeah. It should. It should. But now with this fucking thing. Oh, the phone. It's just, it's, uh, it's very strange to like to the information you're getting to make that decision has been picked apart and it's all dopamine dump yeah. uh, charged. So you can't really, it's sensationalized. Conversations start with an argument. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, really, a, I really like I really like Frosted Flakes, and if you don't like Frosted Flakes, fuck you. You must be racist. Yeah, you must be racist. You must be a bigot. Yeah. Um, I had uh, Alan Levinovitz on the podcast, and he uh, had a, a really he's he's actually working on a a book about this now, but it was a series of tweets that he put up about what we're dealing with with social media is the same thing that we're dealing with with processed food, processed food with all these preservatives. It fills you up. It's terrible for you. He's like, this is processed information. This is not how human beings are supposed to process, exchange information. Right. You're not supposed to get it in this 280 character form. It, it should be a fo- faceless. It should be a, a, a process you go through to digest the information. Yeah. Well, it should be. People are supposed to talk like this. Mm-hmm. Supposed to. This is one of the things that people love about podcasting. It is a digital thing, and you're getting it, and it's kind of impersonal in a way. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of personal because you and I are having a personal moment, and it's recorded. Like we're in front of each other, we're looking at each other, and this is how people are supposed. And we're nice to each other, and mm-hmm. the, you know, and you say something, and I consider it, and we talk, and you you get in real time to exchange information back and forth, and 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 see how the other person responds to it and then respond to their response. That's how people are supposed to talk, man. And this Twitter thing that people are doing, the most mentally ill people I know spend the most time on Twitter. <laughs> and they're they're on it ranting and raving and blaming all these other people for their unhappiness and it's it's so weird to see. It's so it's uh, it's like you're watching people self they they're self-inflicting themselves with right. venom. Yeah. That's why I kind of like what's, you know, one of the things that I noticed when I got into the wine industry is that you have uh, all these different walks of life, various political bents, various religious bents, you know, just various cultures all kind of coming together in this thing. And I don't, I don't have in my circle of people, I don't, I can talk, we can all talk to each other. And all of those, all of those cultures are represented. All those political beliefs, all those religious beliefs, all those things are all represented in all the people that we deal with. And we have these civil conversations with each other, face to face. We're all busting our asses. We're all doing a thing. There's a puzzle we're trying to solve. There's a problem we've encountered that I don't know how to solve, and you know how to solve it. Um, I'm trying to build this thing, and you're very good at building this thing. We're solving puzzles. It's, you have a core common ground. Yeah, yeah, we have a core common ground from just just from life. We're just we're making a living. You have yes. a living, and we're just talking. We're talking. Well, I always felt as soon that as you go from, here, and when you're right. anonymous, it turns into this fucking ugly fight yeah. of polarized mess of like you have to pick a side, and it's like, Ugh. yeah, you're on the wrong from side. From where of I'm history. standing, like there's the only thing we're really kind of massaging and trying to work around and picking a side on is weather is mother nature you're just trying to she smacks the shit out of you and you're trying to fucking navigate it mm. and so that she's in charge and 
uh, you are not in charge. And so that's the thing about having a common uh, having a common thing that you do, like jujitsu. Like if you train jujitsu, you're gonna have Republicans and Democrats and progressives and and libertarians. They're all gonna be training together, mm -hmm. and you know they'll they'll laugh and smile at disagreements they have because the agreement they have is that jujitsu is awesome, mm -hmm. right? So they're in there trying to choke each other and. And, and then choke. the other stuff is like, you no, know, I, can, I just, can choke you. If I don't agree with you, I can just disagree with you, but then I get to choke you. But it's just, it's not as important as the jujitsu, you yeah, know, it's like right, right. somewhere along the line, it became a th like, you have to be on my side or fuck you. And that these ideological echo bubbles that people, these chambers that people get into, it's just. It's never before happened where you've had people that can so readily find people that agree with them wholeheartedly and and have full confirmation bias. Like only only people that are on this side and this that believe these things and this core group. And it's real obvious. Like it's it's real. It's cut and dry what they believe and what they want, what they see mm -hmm. and what they don't. And then it's reinforced by CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and. You know all these biased news sources. I kinda, that, if, I, if there is a division, I guess th that I would make, it would be fundamentalism versus ch fucking chill outism. <laughs> Just <laughs> let them know. Uh, it's because you yeah. know those people are so you're 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 far left and you're far right are bumping each other's asses on the other side of the circle. Mm -hmm. They're the same. They're 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 all one fucking stroke away from Handmaid's Tale, and they are burning books together. <laughs> yeah, uh, telling you what pronouns to use and what religion you're supposed to pick and right. all this stuff. It's they're the same person. They're the same people, and we're in the middle going. I, I just, just want some pasta. It's super similar, <laughs> super similar, and it's all coming together with this pandemic mm. because people are being forced to be locked away. You're locking away. You're, you're staying away from people, so you have less in interaction, mm -hmm. less actual real contact with people, right. more digital contact, more processed bullshit way of communicating with people. And then there's the fear, and then there's the lack of money because everybody's out of work, and then there's all this panic that comes with that, and this anger and anxiety and existential angst of the disease itself and the the combination of all these factors together with a fucking douchebag for a president <laughs> chaos and and no good choices for opponents you know everybody's just voting the people that are, aren't not voting for trump they're just voting for not trump they're not voting for joe biden like no, no one's super excited about joe biden they're voting for not trump so you're right. sitting there like if you're an observer watching this you're like God, we got to get out of here like this this is gonna blow <laughs> yeah i think you know you start to default back to the position of okay, well, well this, I'm just gonna step back and just see, in my lifetime, what what haven't we seen? Okay, well, in my lifetime, we haven't seen a female black president. So if you're voting for Biden, in a way, you have to be a little honest about it. You're actually voting for Kamala Harris because well, it's very possible she's going to be the next president. Possible. You're right. hundred percent. But is she an awful person? Is she a bad person? Is she a good person? I don't know. I just know that it's a step forward. It's a, it's a, it's something that hasn't happened before me. And I get to be alive when we've, when we have a female president. Well, we've never had a Nazi president either. All right. Would that be a step forward? Well, we already had that. Oh, I don't think he's a Nazi. <laughs> he's got a Jewish son-in-law. <laughs> Can't be a Nazi. His, his son-in-law, though, is the Antichrist. Have you ever seen him next to Damien? 
Have you ever seen? <laughs> That's great. From the movie? Go. Dude, we've done it multiple times. Come on. Put it up there. Him and Damien from the movie, Damien the Omen. Mm-hmm. You look at the two of them together, you're like, oh. There he is. He's the Antichrist. Yeah. 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 So it's not like the devil's son. It's the devil's son-in-law. Son, the devil's son-in-law. Got That's it. That's what it is. I like it. Or maybe like he's the devil's son and right. he's Trump's son-in-law. Yeah. Maybe he's got like, there's a, he's got the handle Maybe he's just Trump. a nice guy with great hair. And uh, a beautiful suit. And you're just making it up. Yeah, maybe he's just got really good bone structure and I'm jealous. Could be that. <laughs> and a beautiful wife that happens to be Trump's daughter. Maybe that. Maybe I'm just a bitch. Could be that. <laughs> but uh, so, uh, but if you see a photo of him, you got a picture of him? Look at the two of them side next to each other. Damien who? Damien, the omen. Oh. The omen. God damn Don't it, Brian. Chad, you're not that young. <laughs> you should know who the fuck. How old are you, man? You should fucking know who the omen is, bro. Oh yeah, look at right that the 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 fifth photo over. Yeah, just say that's some. Jer- yeah, like, come on, son. He's he's actually right now not looking at the camera. He's talking to the wolves across yeah. the fence, right <laughs> on the other side. They're just yeah, they're s- making eye contact. With yeah, him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, delivering a message that literally is straight out of the omen. Yeah, Damien the omen. Jared Kushner. Google those two things together and go to images. <laughs> I've seen it. We've pulled it up multiple times on this podcast. It's 100% accurate. Jared Cushman. Here, watch this. I spell Cushman. Images. There you go. You're going to do there. Uh, images. Watch this. Nope. <laughs> Who's that guy? Well, he's Kushner? famous now. Is it Kushner, right? Yeah. We, we were, yeah. Oh, there's got to be an image of right there so, where D- down oh yeah there you go, down the bottom yeah look come on son i mean <laughs> that's the omen that's him that is him uh, now go back to the images again and there's one with him it's like a portrait mode with up there right where you right above that one right above that one yeah click on that so look at trump is blurry and look at him the devil He's got his hand right up his puppet ass. He's like making him say the Satan thing. We are so close. So close. (laughs) So close to the final confrontation. But again, maybe I'm just being a bitch. Order some goat's blood on Amazon. He's a really handsome man with a slender neck. (laughs) And a beautiful wife. Maybe I should just shut the fuck up. Maybe, Maybe it's me, man. It's probably you. It's probably you. No matter who gets in that office, they get skewered. Yeah, I was interested to see how what they say about Bernie. I was really hoping we could see what would happen if that guy would get in place. That was that was interesting to me. What would happen if somebody got in place and said, "You know what? We're going to make college free. We're going to completely absolve you of student debt. We're going to make Medicare for all. We're going to raise the minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour. All those things that are." I'm not an economist. Maybe it wouldn't have worked, but I was interested to see. I'm like, that seems like to be a good use of taxpayer money. Like, if you're going to use taxpayer money, and most of them are using it for... Well, the, the problem now it is if you, want, if you want to know that scenario, you don't have anybody who's going to go, okay, let's honestly look at it. And right. like, we're going to present the case for, for, against, uh, in the middle, like what the possibilities might be. You don't have anybody that's going to actually be loud enough to tell you the answer that you're that you're. Yeah, that it was only Bernie. For. Yeah, and but, like, but, this but as far as like actually just... somebody breaking it down, because right. if you try to Google that, what is that information? 
all this shit's going to be in the way talking about, you know, socialism and, and, mm-hmm. and whatever. So you don't know. I mean, and yeah. I, and I'm not necessarily for Bernie. I'm just saying, I don't know because I can't find the, the paper that isn't biased to present that argument to me. Well, to me, it was pretty shocking that the only people that I was interested at all were blocked out by the system. Tulsi Gabbard, Bernie Sanders, Andrew Yang. Those are the only people I was interested in. Right. And they were completely blackballed and pushed out by the system. They're like, fuck you. With so your then, you know, so follow, ideas. you know, normally when you find something out about a history of a, a place, you kind of follow the money to really see yeah. all the records. So follow, follow the, follow the reason, you know, why were they, so who's, who's blocking them out and why would they be blocking them out and follow that and follow that breadcrumb trail to see why. I just want it to be over. Yeah. And I want Civil War to be here already, so I know how many bullets to buy. That's <laughs> uh, like Tuesday, it roughly. It seems like it's coming. Yeah. Seems like it's coming. But I feel like this is a good place to be. First of all, this is a very neutral ground because it's a, a blue spot in a red state. It really is. Yeah. 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 In a red room. Yeah. Arizona is, uh, it seems like it's, well, and on paper, and you never know, the, the polls don't mean shit, but... It, you know, they're saying Biden's ahead in Arizona. Which How is that possible? I don't know, but like that's a red state because where I'm, where I live, like that's uh, all day long. You've got the dude like with the Trump flag driving around on the car, and it's like, I can we just have a coffee? Can we just talk? Like no, <laughs> fucking freedom. Fuck yeah, fuck you. Yeah. Honk for freedom. It's just it's it's what can we just? How talk? can we not honking? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then you're in a fight because you didn't honk. Like fuck you man. didn't even fucking honk for freedom. Too busy <laughs> sucking cock, huh? Yeah, like for for enslavement. <laughs> I suck cock for enslavement. I'm into it. Some people are into that. They want you to tie them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are you gonna do? It's um, it's it's a confusing time too because a lot of these states that were red are getting infiltrated by people like me that are abandoning the the blue states. They're, they're abandoning California, but taking with them their shitty voting habits. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I'm going to go to this place with freedom and then just take it all away. Yeah. And, and well, you don't need that many guns. And what are you, you going to do? Do whatever you want? Well, that doesn't seem right. We need some regulation. And then yeah. it all becomes California. Yeah, that's I. You know, there are things, and it, it is funny with the business that I'm in. There, in the alcohol business, it's almost, it's completely contrary to what you would think about. The people who are like less government, less regulation, less all those things. Like, but when it comes to wine and 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 you know, that kind of thing in Arizona, it's the it's very California. They're like they want to control everything you're doing. They want to know every move you're making. There's all these hoops you got to jump through to get things done. Uh, it's it's funny. How so? In what way? Uh, just just in in the regulation of alcohol and how they interpret. You know, they're very loose. That's Arizona loose. in general. Yeah, in specific, yeah. brother. Yeah, for for the winemaking, there's a lot of hoops we have to jump through as winemakers. Come in on the here, state. Texas, bro. You can make wine with a gun. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> Fredericksburg, right out here, man. It's not far from here. Yeah, they have great wine. Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly, I don't know shit about wine. Allegedly, I like your wine. Yeah. I don't taste good. You're gonna like more of my wine. Oh know? shit! Yeah. Yeah, I remember like, first. I like your wine. I just don't know why I like it. I did, you know. Uh, have, you, have you seen sour because grapes? Because it's made well, with love. That too. Have you seen sour grapes? The yeah. documentary? Uh, no. Uh, yes. 
parts of it. I haven't seen the whole film. I haven't. It it's pretty being, amazing. That's what I keep hearing. It's, it's, it's amazing. Been, yeah. That this guy made fake wine that was supposed to be these really expensive bottles and duped all these like real wine. Well, so when I first heard about the film, I was under the impression like the, the I, I sat next to that guy. I was at a I was at a, a Australian consulate wine dinner in Beverly Hills with Peter Gago from Penfold sitting next to me and that guy was sitting next Who, to me. What is that guy's name? Uh, Sour Grapes. Sour Grapes the documentary. Uh, documentary. Ruby. Um Ruby? Ruben at yeah, so he, so he, I, I, I met that guy. I sat next to him. Um, I didn't buy any wine from him. Um, Luckily, but, but, uh, but you know, I he met him. So initially, I was like, you know, fuck that guy for like duping all these people. But the thing that they're, they're basically saying was that, yeah, that aside, yeah, he fucked a lot of people up. But his ability to do what he was doing to put these wines in bottle and mimic what uh, the palate. The, just the nature, the color, everything about it, and being able to duplicate the, the the what's in the bottle to the point where it would fool a psalm. He was like, he's an alchemist. Like he was really good at like making it. He wasn't just like putting wine in a bottle and selling you the bottle. Like if you opened it and you, you tasted really it, you thought it, you was really that thought wine. it was that wine. You would go, that seems like a that seems like not a great version of that wine, but that's that wine. Oh, so you could tell that it was slightly off. In some cases, that's that's. You Did know. you try any of his one? No. no. Mm -hmm. Oh God, I would mm -hmm. want to try it. But like they were just saying, the guy really was able to uh, get close to mimicking the palates and, and structures of these wines. So that's why. What's his name again, Brian? Rudy Kumuyama. Uh, I said Ruby Kernawan, or here it's right here. Mm. Ker Kerbo. Mm -hmm. How, how do you say that? Kern Kerni Kerniawan. Kerniawan. Rudy Kerniawan. Okay. Rudy. Interesting. So how did this guy do this? Like, if you, no idea. Like, if it's such a fine art to create a great wine, and I know you, I've tried well, multiple the thing is different wines from but you. But what he was doing, you know, and, and I'm just, I'm speculating on this. I haven't seen the film, but what he was doing was just to fool you right now. That wine might not last in that bottle once you. Oh. So it's not gonna. It's not gonna hold up. It's not the oh. structure. It's not the structure of wine. I mean, he was literally putting dirt and things in to create <laughs> that initial impression, so that when you taste it, to investigate it, you're okay. I think that's what that is. And then you write the check, and he's like, "Bitch." There is a fucking great book that I am in the middle of that you would love. That's based on... But you're going to read this one next, right? Yes, I'll read that one. Um, it's... Uh, my friend Graham Hancock wrote the foreword to it, and then it's uh, Brian Murrow Rescue's book. And um, here, let me, let me find... It's in my library here. It's called The Immortality Key. And... Whoops. And it is all about ancient wine and the uh, oh, ancient Greeks... How they used, uh, they, they put all kinds take of stuff. take that note, if you don't mind. Yeah, the immortality key. This is the, um, oh, there, Brian's got it right there. And it's a really, just listen to the podcast, the, the recent podcast that I did with this guy. It's amazing. He's a scholar of uh, the, the Greek classics and Greek history. And he focused on the... Um, the, what, what did they call it? Eleusinian Mysteries. 
Okay. Where they would, uh, they have these rituals where they would all, Eleusis, and they would all get together and they would uh, have these rituals where they would drink this spiked wine. And the wine was, they, they've proven now, the wine was spiked with LSD-like components, was spiked with ergot, and they believe with probably a bunch of other different psychedelics, mm. maybe psilocybin, maybe a bunch of, but it was wines that had these psychedelic compounds, and they would have these incredible rituals, and people would go there, and this is like literally like the foundation of Western civilization came from these these rituals and then these rituals were forbidden by the roman emperors and then they started doing these rituals outside of uh greek outside of greece and they started doing them in spain and they found uh, images of them doing it in italy and they found uh residue of these uh substances in pottery and they've okay. proven that it traveled all over the place but what was fascinating to me is that their wine was never just wine they would put all sorts of different things in the wine and like wine was in that back then was not just simply grapes that were fermented they would add cinnamon and honey and all these different things to the wine which i i thought was really fascinating okay yeah but the the fact that it was the source of their psychedelic rituals was right. wine all right i'm gonna read that yeah watch the podcast okay it's, it's, he's really great at describing it, and he, it's a very condensed thing. And then, f to further go, get into the book. Did you uh, did you watch the Fantastic Fungi film? I haven't seen that yet. Okay. I, saw, no. I, st I started watching. I was about halfway through. Um, I've just been I've been kind of busy, Joe. But uh, well, you have fifty jobs. I would imagine you're a little, and you have a family. I don't know how the fuck you do it. Yeah. Seems well. My wife is a fucking badass. She's more of a badass than I am, and she can she holds a lot of other things down that uh, that I wouldn't be able to do without her. So we have a nice symbiotic, uh, energetic relationship. Yeah. yeah. If I find someone who is has that many jobs, they almost always have an awesome wife. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, so I couldn't. I couldn't, I couldn't. I could not do any of this shit without her. Absolutely. That's a great thing, man. Have a great team like that because when when I look at the, all the things you do, I'm like restaurants, wines. Now you're making mead, and then that's, you that's have, from I'm going to Michigan now to like meet with a couple winemakers there because I'm gonna probably put a facility there because my my dad's house is there, so I'm gonna go. That's where I'm going at my dad's house. Well, so. they're trying to kill Michigan, so it's a good place to go right now. They li literally, it's uh, the governor's uh, making everything fall apart. Yeah, well, I'm gonna find out. So yeah, you can get a land for like a buck. I'm gonna fix it. Do whatever um, you need to do. So we're gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna make mead, cider, and possibly wine in Michigan. So I just had a, a friend came back from Michigan. He was telling me horror stories. Hmm. Not, hmm. not where I live. You look at <laughs> look out my porch, and there's like a you know 16 acres of trees. You know, deer walking through your yard. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know either. <laughs> I'm just repeating what other people tell yeah. me. It's well, fun me, to do. Yeah. <laughs> You can pretend you know what you're saying. Yeah. So uh, what part of Michigan? Uh, upper, uh, up right on Lake Michigan. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, uh, Mason County. Oh, so that's pretty rural, right? Yeah. What? Why did you choose that area? Uh, that's where my dad was a teacher. So, oh. so I went I, when I lived when after when I left Ohio, I went to live with my dad in Michigan, and that's where he was wrestling coach and uh, teacher in Western Michigan. So he built a house. Uh, he and uh, Nick Tatarchik, this big motherfucker. Uh, he and his sons and my dad built the house that I own now in uh, in Scottville. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's, that's why I'm going back to check in on the house, look at these buildings that we've been looking at, uh, set up a situation. That's why I have my friend Tim White's with me uh, in, in the car. Um, my my winemaking partner. So we're gonna we're just exploring a building. We're gonna talk to some growers. There's definitely cider there. I mean, there's apples everywhere, and I can make mead, you know, tomorrow because you can get honey. What keeps you motivated to constantly do an, like these new projects, another project like this? Puzzles. I just fucking love puzzles. Like you know, physical, large scale, sculptural in big space puzzles. So you think of like almost like constructing a new business or a, a, a warehouse or a factory like this or mm -hmm. a, a creation a, a, a like like an art piece. Yeah, that and also uh, watching what we just went through with this lockdown. You know, we have I have three greenhouses. So we were able to feed a bunch of people uh, in our in our hundred you know, family, uh, extended family with uh, the businesses and everything, we were able to, like, provide a little bit of food, not not as much as they would need, but we certainly saved them at least one or two trips to the grocery store by mm. by providing them pasta, the, you know, some of the fresh vegetables, a roll of toilet paper, you know, some soap, like that kind of shit that they just couldn't get at the store. We had to go through commercial uh channels to get some of this these materials to get that's a to severely underrated pleasure too to be able to provide for people yeah i mean it's so we were it's able to do nice. that for over 100 families you know in our in our little circle i want to build i want to build more of that i want to do more of that so i think that's awesome so i think uh, in a little town like uh there's all these little towns all over the united states that dried up because they put the bypass in and put the walmart and the home depot out away from the little town Beautiful structures, you know, solid buildings that just dried up. Um, so you're now you're seeing a resurgence of these little towns uh, turning around from what they were to being these little thriving things. And the kind of cornerstone of that stuff is, you know, food, lodging, restaurant, brewery or winery, distillery. You know, there's there's that little concentration of things. Uh, Old Town Cottonwood, Arizona, that's a hot spot for wineries even though the vineyards and the winemakers are down in wilcox or sonoida or elgin one of their tasting rooms is in this little old town that was just beat to shit like 15 years ago you you could you could you know pick up the property for you know they'd pay you to take it but now it's like a little thriving metropolis because you have this concentration of restaurants and wineries in this one little spot that's interesting I think people are also starting to be aware of uh, the value in having everything you need in close proximity where you're not shipping things in. Right. Like it, it used to be like the idea of buy American was sort of this uh, xenophobic, you know, semi-racist notion that fuck the rest of the world, we're number one. But now people are going, oh, but you know what? It, wouldn't it be great if we can get our medicine here? We don't have to rely right. on boats that come over from right. china right. like wouldn't it be wouldn't it be great if uh all, all the components that we need to make an automobile were actually manufactured and constructed right here wouldn't it be great if a fucking single cell phone was made in america <laughs> i mean they don't make a goddamn one of them here right. everything is made in asia i still think you're gonna need you're gonna need to trade the trade routes have to stay open there's things that you can't do uh well or as well as somebody else in terms of just you know, the spice trade was exactly that. You couldn't mm -hmm. grow the, you couldn't grow these spices here. You had to right. get them from somebody else, and they were desirable. Um, you know, tulips in Holland. Like there's just there's something that's that's wanted and desired by other places, 
And there's things you can do really well. Uh, For sure, but it would be nice to be self-sustainable. Yes, yes. Like trade is always going to be significant. Yeah, and those end up be... being those end up being the side dishes that are like the icing on the cake in yeah. a way. Uh, but you should be able to figure out what grows in your area, what's sustainable in your area, and what you know what you can do to kind of like you don't have to shut your borders off. Just right. just be open to understanding that when the shit hits the fan, you guys are kind of have a little self-contained thing that you can weather it. Yeah, that would be nice. And, and this is. This is a new feeling. Like I never, I never thought about that before. But in the beginning of the lockdown, one of the things I was thinking was like, are we going to come to a point where we don't have enough food? Like, how is the food going to get here? Is, are people, if they're not working, are they going to grow the food? What happens if the like the early predictions were terrifying? Right, they're going to lose two million Americans. Like everybody was terrified. Mm -hmm. That didn't come to pass, but. It was a, a moment where you're like, well, what if this gets way worse than that even? Like, how are, are we going to get to a point where there's no power? Are we going to get to the point? I mean, right. what are we relying on that's not necessarily going to be here? When we think about what do we need to sustain ourselves, what are we relying on that may or may not be here if the shit hits the fan? And I feel like this was kind of a practice run. Yes. I feel like it's there's another one coming. And you're going to have a shit ton of people that don't make it because they're like, that first one was fake and this one is too. Cool. Can I, yeah, can I get a set of keys to your house? Those people think it's fake are so strange. They're so strange. Just, I'm just going to add a, a friend a long time ago who had been uh, in, in um, Iraq and he had taken some uh, whatever he had to take for anthrax or whatever. And he used to joke like, if we get hit with anthrax, it's going to affect you. It's not going to affect me, and I'm just going to tell you now. I'm going through your pockets. <laughs> just so, no offense. Yeah, I, I, I think of this as a practice run. And um, I wonder, you know, I wonder how many people are going to relax again after this is over. Because if something really big happens, like, and this is, I, and, and I'm not trying to diminish anybody that lost a loved one or to, to diminish the significance of this disease, the 200 plus thousand people that died in this country. But compared to a super volcano, compared to a solar flare or an asteroid impact. Or an entire state on fire. Yeah, well, that, well, that's California. Two, two states yeah. now. Colorado. Yeah, California's lost more than a million acres. Yeah. Oh. So you add all those things up. And they start to really look like something, mm -hmm. little pieces. Yeah. So remember how to grow shit. That's all I'm saying. Yes. Remember how to grow shit. That'd be very nice. And don't go to a place where it doesn't rain. <laughs> yeah. Things light on fire in a place where it doesn't rain. Yeah. Does it rain out in Jerome? It hasn't rained for a long time, but we had so much snow two years ago and this last year that the the snowpack actually fed the the water the groundwater. So Jerome has a decent amount of water this year. Um, it hasn't rained, so that's distressing. But, Do you irrigate all your stuff with well water? Uh, yeah, it's, it's all we're on spring mountain springs, so we oh, irrigate. Nice. Yeah, so we, it's, and it's all the, the stuff that's gathered from the snowpack that's coming down through the rocks. And, and now, what if, during this whole pandemic? What about your osteria and like serving food? It did, it did okay. We just we did everything you know whatever the rules were. We went above and beyond the rules, but. We made sure we were providing food. We were making sure that we had stuff to serve you, and making sure that people got fed. What were the rules out there? Were they because it's not? It was the most we were completely place. shut down for like six weeks, seven weeks, and then they said, "Okay, if you're if you're serving if you're serving food, you have alcohol, and you're serving food, you can sell the bottles to go. You can serve food to go." 
So we did that, set the table up, did that. And as soon as they said, okay, you can be at 50% occupancy. Okay, great. So you would set, you know, separate the tables out and let people come in, you know, wear your mask on your way to the bathroom. Just be cool. Just be right. cool. Yeah. Um, and we did okay. I mean, we're not, you know, we're definitely down from last year, but there's restaurants. There's, I mean, the restaurant industry is fucking hammered. I don't yeah. know if you've been keeping up on that. But oh, believe me. I've it's, had it's Adam Perry Lang in and Janet Segrini. Yeah. Um, you should get Bobby Stuckey from, in here. Who, who's Bobby? Bobby Stuckey from Frosca Food and Wine in, in Boulder, Colorado. Okay. He's, he's one of the – I see him out there championing, like trying to get this funding for the for the small restaurants. These people that have these amazing restaurants, I was telling you about um, um, Felix. Felix is in Venice. They're very lucky that they have this outside area. They're, they can set up there and – it's, they're very fortunate they have that kind of space, yeah. but so many people do not. Yeah. And they're and L.A. just won't let them open. I mean, right, right. L.A. won't let them open at half capacity. They won't let them open. Well, you can't survive at half capacity. Most no. restaurants are operating at a 10% margin if they're doing great. They were, Janet was explaining that yeah. when she was in here. That's a, that's a, it's, not, it's not what you think. It's like, right. The thing that blows my mind, though, jumping you know, several hats here, is watching people go, oh, I'm just going to get my... I'm just going to get my relief money and hang out. Hey, you want a job? We have this job we need to do. Or there's this job that continues to need to be done, even with all the shit's going on. Like, we're, we're well, still digging holes. We're still pulling. Then I won't get my check. Then I won't get my check. Okay, so well, let's just be clear. So you don't want to do help me do the job. You want to get your money. Okay. It's not a lot of money, and it's not going to be forever. But I'm going to figure out a way to do this job without you. And then when you come looking for the job, when the money runs out, I'm going to say... Fuck you. Eat a dick. Mm. Bag of salty dicks. Or salty sweet, sweet dicks, salty, whichever. Delicious. Pick your, you choose. Sweet <laughs> or salty. Uh, bag of dicks for you. Um, because we figured out how to do it without you. We yeah. needed you. We needed you. And then you didn't want to do it. No amount of money is going to patch this up. Like, it's there's a thing we're actually doing. We have to tend the vines. We have to tend the greenhouse. There's things we have to do to get there. So you're talking about specific instances in, inside of your community. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not, I'm talking about in Los Angeles or in a big city, you get that sort of diffusion of responsibility thing where there's oh, yeah. so many people and there's a lot of people that just rather take that check. Just take but the check. But you're getting that out of employees. Yeah. Well, used to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we found a way around you. But it's funny, though. Some people will be angry at you for that. They'll say, well, th why should they risk their lives to work yeah why should you well do you um if you are going to do this with your employees do you give them precautions on how to protect themselves oh absolutely we do uh, the our employees are our first and you know first and foremost our employees are the first consideration keeping them safe so any any policies if i have to take the hit for the policy i'll take the hit for the policy because I'm protecting the employee. Have you thought about providing them with vitamins and zinc and that kind of thing? Um, we just, you know, we put them in rubber suits. Rubber suits? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I got the Devo masks with the oh. hat. Um, no, just, you, just have, you just have policies in place, and you, you arm them with the, the authority to have a person not be able to be in your store if they're not going to respect yeah. the constant interaction that that employee has to mm -hmm. go through all day long. It's the same thing as a in a plane. Like that yeah. that flight attendant had to breathe your cigarette oh. smoke for years. And yeah. do all of them die of cancer? No. Did some of them get cancer? Not all of them got cancer. Not all of them died of cancer. But 
they risk getting well, that cancer. That was the argument about bars too, right? Like yeah. they should be able to smoke in bars. Like what about the people that have to work in those bars? Every day you're yeah. exposing that person to that thing. That's yeah. why you don't. Not because of you, not because of my clothing right. being stinking like cigarettes. No, it's because that person is being exposed to that every day. And the more they're exposed to it, the more they're being put at risk. That's yeah. your, your, that responsibility for your fellow human is is that but on the bright side we have been provided with videos of these fucking non-mask protesting douchebags that just scream at walmart and scream at people about the taking away my rights comedy is like it's just the cornucopia of comedies is like (laughs) billowing out like all year long it's been incredible it's amazing how many people are just i have to cut you off pretty soon i gotta get yeah you gotta gotta hit your flight um so one more time let's go over the thing it's uh the th- what is the date of the Octo- live stream? October, October 30th. October 30th is is the concert film being streamed online uh, uh, at pussiferlive.com. You can get tickets. Um, the album itself is out on the 30th as well. You can get it, you know, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon. You can buy it off the pussifer.com website, CD, vinyl. I think the vinyl is all sold out. And you have two songs that are available right now. The people yeah, two preview. songs are available right now. Yep. And uh, when it happens, we'll put it up on the Instagram and let all the folks know. Um, Thank you. I, you. Look, I know you're busy as fuck, so I really appreciate you taking the time to no come problem. here. And, uh, and thank you for all the gifts. Read that. I will read it. I will read, read it. Book. Protection. You should hold the. You should wear the, the 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 boxing gloves while you're reading it. And I'm gonna keep this lunchbox close, near and dear to my heart. Maynard, you're a bad motherfucker. I appreciate you, brother. Thank Cheers, you, man. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Bye bye.